Welcome back to Path to Glory, the Warhammer Underworlds podcast that focuses on competitive gaming, player development, and community growth. This is your boy, your host, Aman Kusro, and I am joined by my co-host, Zach Cachetta, a.k.a. Requisite. In today's episode, we're going to be covering a brand new warband. They're called the Gore Chosen of Drom, and they are the final warband in the Nether Maze season. We're going to go over all their fighter cards, their objectives, their gambits, and their upgrades, as well as share our thoughts on how we think the warband should be played, and maybe some hot takes. You know, we love hot takes here. But before we do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our patrons. Thank you so much to everyone who supports us. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, please check us out at patreon.com slash pathglory. If that's not possible, your listens are enough. We appreciate it. Though, maybe give us a rating so we can spread the word of the path of glory and underworlds. So, very exciting stuff here. But Zach, obviously I want to know what you've been up to lately because, you know, I, I, I'm interested in your life. Um, just doing some hobby and uh, trying to get some practice in for uh, the Chicago GT Open coming in start of October. So... Unfortunately, there's no Underworlds there. I would rather be playing, but they do have some kill team available, uh, and I will be uh, there. They're going to be running Into the Dark, which we reviewed on this show, so uh, mm-hmm. going to be doing some corridor fighting. Um, still deciding what to play there, but hopefully I'll get it painted before October rolls around. Yeah, that is exciting. And I wish you the best of luck in your endeavors. Thank you. I myself just came back from a tournament called Nova. It's pretty exciting. Um, We'll talk about that in another episode. Yeah, well, for as a preview, he did pretty well in both of the things he played in. So uh, go Aman. I appreciate that. Thank you. I I try hard at both events. Well, maybe not the Underworlds one, but I don't know. Maybe. I mean... Rip and Snarfangs are pretty good. So they are pretty Try good. hard. Yeah. But we're not here to talk about that warband. Um, but that being said, yeah, I, I, um, I actually had my first failed 3D print today. Oh, uh, no. I know. I You know, because like, I, I was reading all these videos and everyone's like, you know, you know your first print's going to fail. It's okay. <laughs> but like my first three, four prints were fire. And I was like, hell yeah. But then today, I don't know what happened. I don't know if it's. Like the maybe the weather changed because it started raining really heavily out of nowhere, but I don't know. But um, I tried to fix it. I tried to clean it. I watched some videos. So there's a print running right now. So after the episode, I'll go check it out. But if that fails, then uh, I might rage. <laughs> Not as hard as these corn worshippers, but I might rage. Yeah, it's a tricky process. I mean, I've only got the my Ender 3, and I've had issues with that in the past as well. So uh, I know the resin stuff can be even trickier. Yeah, the worst part is, like, you got to wear gloves, you got to put the mask on, mm-hmm. you got to open the garage, you know? Like, obviously, safety precautions are a must. Sure. But it's like, I have to do all that, and then my print fails? Come on. Well, once they come, once they figure out a, um, you know, a, a more safe uh, material to make it out of, because resin is toxic and awful um once i figure out like you know some more friendly version that they can do where i won't have to like you know quarantine half the house to use it then then i'll probably buy in but uh it's a little bit of a hassle right now huh 
Yeah. I mean, it's cool. I like it certainly, but um, it's definitely something that I take full precautions on. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, uh, I just ordered a, they're called like enclosures. So you yeah. put the printer inside an enclosure and then it has like a, a fan that you can uh, vent. And so I have a tube that I attach to it or I will. That's what it looks like in the pictures. Anyways, yeah. you just put and it out the I window or something, put it. Well, so what I'm actually going to do is I'm still going to keep the garage open. I'm just going to put it around the corner. So then it just shoots. You know, yeah. Straight up into the air. So. Faster venting. Yeah. That's cool. Exactly. Right? Yeah. That, that's what a lot of people do or they, or they go crazy and they build their own closet for it or something like that. But well, that's what I wanted to do, do is that. like so many people on YouTube have like their own cabinet that like filters into the, you know, out of the house and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Part of me is like also feels bad. Like, why am I shooting resin into the air? You know, so like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, things that, you know, it's parts per million, but it still <clears throat> feels a little funny, huh? Yeah. So definitely um, enjoying it. But it, it comes with challenges for whoever is interested. If okay. you if you if you want to talk about 3D printing, let me know. I've been doing a lot of troubleshooting. So and if you want to talk about it, we have a discord and there's a 3D printing channel. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we do. We do. And um, yeah, cool. So let's jump into the gore chosen of Drom. Now, as per usual, we're going to skip the sleeve it or leave it segment in today's episode, um, just because we're going to spend all of the time reviewing this wonderful warband that was sent to us by Games Workshop. So thank you to them for giving us this free copy for us to review. Hashtag ad. Um, so yeah, let's jump into it. So I'm going to talk about the lore. We'll discuss it. Um, you know, we're both like, we're both into it. So we're going to talk about it. And then from there, we're going to do fighters, objectives, gambits, upgrades, so on and so forth. So let's talk about this warband drum. Wounder of worlds. Lord amongst the slaughter priests of corn seeks to commit the ultimate act of violence in the name of his murderous God. He leads a group of gore chosen to the very Nadir of nether maze where he plans to enact a grand blood ritual upon tectonic weak points to wound Ulgu itself, sending the black liquid lava spilling into the seas above and thereby poisoning them beyond recovery. His companions are the skull grinder Herax, a creator of grim and bloody artifacts, and the muscle-bound Gorhulk, an ex-slaughter priest who is now more akin to a beast than a man. Nothing will stop Drom from bleeding Ulgu dry. Dun-dun-dun. It's cool lore, man. I, I love it. They they put a lot of effort and just like soul into these war bands. I love how it looks. Yeah. Yeah. Considering they just get a brief and they're like, here's a bunch of miniatures, make some stuff up. Mm-hmm. It's really cool that they, whoever is involved takes the time to really give them some character mm-hmm. and some story and, I mean, like, it doesn't get more corny in chaos than this, right? Like, yeah. And, and not corny in a bad way, corny with a KH. And, you know, it's. They got to fit it on one card, their little lore card uh, that comes with a box. So it's not like, yeah. you know, they're not sitting here writing a whole battle tomes worth of lore, but it definitely gives you a feel for what the warband's supposed to do. It gives a little character to the, the miniatures you're about to put on the table. Like, 
It's perfect. I love it. Yeah. Some people like to take skulls. Some people just like, like to make people bleed. Some These people, people want to kill just a realm. To, just, yeah, just shatter realms. No big deal. <laughs> no big deal. That's right. So it's really exciting, and I am very excited for the miniatures themselves. We'll, let's just go ahead and discuss them. So Drom has a very Aztecian vibe. He's a slaughter priest. Mm-hmm. So um, he can access prayers, which is really cool because it is reflected in the warband today and the cards. But keep in mind that Corn doesn't, you know, mess with magic. So yes, they're not. He's, he's not a wizard. So, yeah, he's, he's not a wizard. He's a priest. Yes, okay. very different yes. things. Very, very different things. <laughs> However, I am in love with that miniature, and I, the day that they were previewed, um, good friend of the show, Kyle Dalton. Um, actually, he's your friend in real life. Yeah, actually. yeah, he goes to the same game yeah. store as me. Yeah, Pale King Hobby. Check him out. Instagram and Facebook. There's your plug there, Kyle. But uh, um, he's a he's a wonderful painter, as you know. He, he sent me a screenshot and was like, "This is going to be every Golden Demon next year. Just watch." I can see it. I mean, the, I mean, just Drum as the leader. <laughs> insane detail on this. It just looks good. It's also very unlike anything we've had. Like, Corn has been kind of just generic barbarian, like vaguely. I don't know. I don't know if it's historical based or something like that um, in terms of their current design, but like to kind of tap into this um, Mesoamerican style, um, you know, you're a skull priest, you worship a blood God, and then you like kind of tie that into real world uh, historical things about like blood sacrifice and stuff like that. It just, it looks good all around. And I mean, I, I hope there's no like cultural appropriation or anything or like weird about that. I don't, I don't hope it doesn't offend anybody. But like for me, aesthetically, it's just like 10 out of 10. Love this yeah. miniature. Yeah. Yeah. 10 out of 10. Um, just all around, honestly. And uh, he, he just looks beautiful. So the next miniature is Herax. Um, he's like a. He's a skull he's, grinder, which is yeah. a existing a corn leader type model. Yeah, I mean, he looks really cool. Um, I like that he's kind of chunky. He's got the dad you know, bod. Like, he's got the dad bod, exactly. Yeah. Like Oftentimes, I feel like corn fighters are like super shredded, super bulky. Like, you know, it's just unrealistic. Like and Not just it, corn. Literally every miniature in Age of Sigmar is like a six-pack. And I get that they're soldiers and, you know, they're like fighting all the time and training and stuff. But like, if you look at power lifters, not every power lifter has an eight pack or whatever. Usually they've got a little yeah. bit of meat around their waist. No, exactly. And so like this dude, he looks strong, but he's like, he probably has a couple extra beers and that's okay. There's nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Blood you know? bruise. Blood bruise. I love that. Um, and I, he's like got an anvil on his back. Like it's like, no matter where I'm going, I'm making cool shit and drinking my beers. That's good. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, and the last miniature is just, what do they call him? The, the Gore Hulk. Yeah. He's he's large. He's a large lad. He's a big boy. I feel like, and on the stream they mentioned, like, this is what it probably looks like in the transitioning period before you turn into, like, a Kargaroth? Yeah, a Kargaroth yeah. or a Bloodspawn or something like that. Bloodspawn, yeah. Yeah. So, he's well on his way. It's a big boy. He's a big boy. He, he looks huge, but 
I think the Warband has a lot of, as we as we discussed already, has a lot of story, mm-hmm. and the miniatures themselves evoke that quite well. I think so. I'm very excited about them. Oh yeah, Just me too. Get them on the table, build them. Will I paint them? I don't know. I mean, like taking a break on like my wallet by not getting everything commission painted. So, well, I'm we'll see. I'm going to be well, I'm going to be painting these just because I also use a lot of my Underworld's miniatures for Warcry. Mm. Um, and you know, we've already got two Corn War bands, so we got Re- Blood Reavers, we've got um Blood Warriors having a uh Slaughter Priest to throw in there or a Skull Grinder to throw in there is a is a nice addition. Yeah. Chef's kiss, huh? Yeah. I like it. Yeah, I mean, certainly the Warbands have a lot like a lot of variety, mm-hmm. but they will look uniform together. Oh, yeah, so. for sure. Very cool. Okay, well, let's get into the Warband themselves. So, we're going to start with the fighter cards. So, I'll go through that. Zach will give me his first impressions and then we'll alternate through mm-hmm. the cast as per use. If this is your first time here, that's kind of how we do things. Um, and yeah, it's pretty detailed. So obviously, like, love for you to follow along if you have the cards themselves. Um, if you'd like to look at them, they'll be up on the Path to Glory blog the same minute that this goes up live. So you can follow along there. But otherwise, you know, maybe slow down the speed. Personally, I recommend listening to our podcast at 1.25. That's like my go-to for most podcasts. Jonathan, back in the day, used to listen to everything at 2.0. I think that was insane. <laughs> but uh, yeah, okay. So Drom, the Wounder of Worlds. He's got the keyword corn, which is a thing since Harrow Deep. And he's got the priest keyword as well. So um, very exciting. I believe he is our third priest after Kixitaka and Morgwaith. Yeah, I don't think we had any last season. Yeah. And he's the leader, of course, Grand Alliance Chaos. And he's got a range 2, 2 smash, 2 damage attack called Blood Blessed Axe and Staff. He's got a movement of 3, 1 block, 5 wounds, so he starts large. And he's got a really cool ability that talks about blood tights. And so before we get into the Inspire and all that, I'm just going to jump down to Herrick's fighter card to talk about blood tights. So... After setup, give this fighter, and all three fighters have this rule, one blood tithe counter. So every fighter will start the game with a blood tithe counter. After an activation step, in which this fighter was dealt, or this fighter dealt damage or was dealt damage, other than by a lethal hex, give this fighter one blood tithe counter. The entire warband inspires when they have three or more blood tithe counters individually. Now, going back to Drom. Drum's got a really, really cool ability. It's called Enrage. It's an action. Remove X blood tithe counters from this card, where X is the round number. Choose a visible fighter with no move and or charge tokens within four hexes. The chosen fighter's player makes a charge action with that fighter. Then that fighter gets staggered. Plus one dice to friendly fighters range one attack actions during that charge action. Now, when Drum inspires, he goes to four move, stays on one block. He stays at five wounds, but his axe and staff go to three fury and gain the Grievous special rule. 
So depending on how your dice favor you, you can say that he becomes less accurate or more accurate. But the Grievous is really nice mm-hmm. because roughly 50% of the time you hit, you'll be critting, which is kind of exciting. Yeah. Zach, give me your thoughts on Drum. Um, so let's leave aside Enrage for now as an action. Um, just off the crack, he's pretty good. I mean, one block is good. It's not ter- It's not amazing. You, you know, you want two dodger, you want two block uh, on your important fighters. The one block's better than one dodge. And five wounds is good. You know, it's not enough to, like, be invincible for the entire game. But it is more than most people can put out, at least in turn one. Um, and then, you know, range two, two damage attacks have historically been really, really good. Though spear-type weapons are often weapons that people take. Uh, this is the stat line that made Scritch really good in season one. This is the stat line that made like Morgwaith and um, uh, Drepper. Drepper, thank you. Um, and Slithael, all very good. You know, you just like having that good spear. And his, mm-hmm. he has a spear with Grievous, so that's great. Um, so, like, just based on that, like a five wound with a spear leader, you're already kind of cooking, right? Like, that's already pretty good. Um,. Now, the Enrage action has had some chatter online because we did see this at Nova, uh, or the Nova preview. It's interesting. Um, The Blood Tithe mechanic mechanic we're going to talk about uh, as this goes on, um, it has some ups and downs. You're not going to get a huge amount of use out of it because it's kind of difficult to generate Blood Tithe, um, or at least it's not something you have a lot of control over. Um, there's going to be games where Enrage wins you the game. If you can force, for instance, because I've been playing it a lot, obviously, uh, Exile Dead, if you can force um, Dentalos to charge before he gets a move token, that, that turns over for the Exile Dead player because you can't do dance anymore. Your leader is completely locked out of his his thing that he does you know if you can force hrothgorn to charge like yeah he's going to charge and he's going to do some damage because it's hrothgorn but like if you could force him to charge on activation one you know that's a really hard turn for the man trappers player to come back from so like there's a lot of power in this but then there's going to be games where you just never use it right so um it's a cool ability i don't know if it's like an amazing one i don't know how often you, i guess I guess sometimes you'll just use it on a friendly fighter and just be like, cool, I'll just get plus one dice because I was going to charge with them anyway. I might as well use the action to get plus one dice on them as well. Um, Yeah, I think he's good overall. I think the ability is not like game breaking, but it is cool. Yes. And I think, well, very well said, like this ability had the, the potential to be absolutely game breaking. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that it's not. I think it's a very cool mechanic. I really appreciate how the Underworlds team is like trying to innovate, you know, so deep into the life cycle of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been like four or five years now. And, you know, at first I thought, hey, like this is kind of really strong. But to your point, like, you know, you're forcing someone to charge your leader and, and your leader is actually a very integral part of this warband um, as we'll go through the cards and so you're putting him in a very high risk, high reward situation. Hmm. Like Zach, you mentioned that there's some really good opportunities. I mean, like, but it, it's also like not abusable. Like if you want to use it early, 
then you can kind of use it early to force the enemy to come to you and hopefully gang up on them. Um, midway through the game, you can stall your opponent out. You know, the Dantilus example was great. <laughs> but if you hold on to your tithe counters and you save them up, maybe you're fighting another three-fighter warband and you kill two of them and they got one fighter left and then you win priority and you force them to charge your fighter, now they can't do anything for their four activations. Like, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, you know? I don't I don't know how often you're going to have three blood tithe and be alive in round three, but you're right. Like, in round three, when people are running pretty thin on fighters, even if it's a four or five model warband, like, uh, what's a good one? Like, um, Profiteers. Uh, profiteers, yeah. yeah. So they're playing Profiteers. You've killed Drax Skewer already because he's out front. You've probably killed um, Deadeye Lund because he's a really important target. Round three, you force... Um, you force Thunder to charge. What are they going to do? Kill you with Allenson? Like, yeah, like, that's fine. You can still do stuff with Allenson. I don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's... It's it's really cool because, again, like, you have to kind of commit to a certain strategy. And there's risk, you know? Like, as you mentioned, Drom might not be alive at the end of the, or the third round. He might not have the blood type. Maybe you got stuck on two. So... Again, it can be really game-winning in certain scenarios. I certainly think there needs to be a bit of luck and obviously a lot of strategy to get there. But I think if and when you do use the Enrage action, if you time it correctly, it's going to be insane. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's a, he's a cool fighter. I, I'm, I like him. Um, yeah. I think he might be my favorite in the Warband, honestly. But let's talk about the other ones as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just from... Dad bod points alone. Herex could be there, but Skullgrinder Herex is the next fighter. He's got the corn keyword. He starts with a movement of four, so he's a little bit faster despite the dad bod. He's got one uh, one block, four wounds, and he's got Forge Wrath weapons, which is a two smash, two damage, range one attack. Um, the ability has Blood Chains and Stagger. So blood change, um, remove one blood tithe counter from this card and it's range two until resolved. So there are some people, because again, these cards were previewed online, that are saying that you have to use, you have to remove a blood tithe counter in order to use the ability um, or use the weapon in general, like the attack. I don't think that's true at all. Uh, it's certainly an option and that's rules as intended. Mm-hmm. Rules as written, I believe that you can argue that. But I think you're being silly if you do, um, because they're not going to make an attack where you can only use a blood tithe counter to spend to use it. Yeah, I, I think the I think it's clear that you can still use it even if you don't have a blood tithe counter to spend. I guess the question becomes: if you have a blood tithe counter, are you required to use it to make yourself range two? Yeah. Um, well, I've heard, I've heard, I've I've read and heard all sorts of things, and I'm just yeah. going to be like, dude. That's the way that I'm interpreting it. And it sounds like you're interpreting as well is you've got a range one, two smash, two damage attack that staggers. If you have a blood tithe counter, you can choose to spend it. And if you decide to spend it, your attack is range two. That's simple. Yeah. Usually I would, usually I imagine these printings would say something like reaction during an attack action before you roll the attack dice or something. Um, I wonder if it's just because there was too much text and they couldn't fit it or because maybe they're going to change, you know, some wording ruling down the line. And this is kind of like 
okay, well, you know, these remove functionalities are eventually going to become choose or not or whatever. Like they're going to change some yeah. around that. So like, I, who knows what that's going to be um, as it is. So let's work off the assumption that it's optional. You don't have to remove a blood tithe. Um, as it is, it's a good fighter. Again, I mean, the fact that he starts at move four is great. Um, gives you one pretty fast fighter. I mean, move four with potential range two is good. Stagger is good for setting up your Gore Hulk. Um, inspired side, getting to three damage inspired. These guys are going to be kind of hard to inspire because you probably are going to be using your Blood Tithe and not necessarily like racking up three at any given time. Um, so I don't know how often you're going to hit that inspired side, but if you do, it's a range two, three damage weapon. That's sick. Yeah. Uh, but again, to keep in mind, like, their uninspired sides, both the fighters we've gone over already, are great. Oh, yeah. They're they don't they don't need five. to inspire. Yeah. You know, like, range two, two smash, two damage, five wounds is an inspired, like, cunning crew leader. Yes. Absolutely. More, like, you know, like, this guy just starts at that out that good. Um, yeah. Which is exciting. And same with Herax. I mean, he's he's just a very, he's just like a Magorf's fiend, but with stagger. So. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the extra that's, move. that's great. He That's a great way to put it. He is just, he's almost an inspired Magor's Fiend on his front side, and he only gets better. So yeah, yeah. when you inspire him, great. When you don't, also fine. Yeah, it's going to just be a nice to have, but you certainly won't plan for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then lastly, we've got the Gore Hulk, which is, seems like the artist's favorite because he's on a lot of cards. Well, he uh, is fancy looking. Yeah, he's cool. Um he has so many attacks, actually, where the inspiration had to be moved to the right side of the card, which is pretty funny. <laughs> um, he's got three move, one block, five health to begin with. Um, a range one, two fury, three damage attack called crushing grip. And um, if you're into BDSM, he's got a choking grip as well. It's a range one, two smash, one damage. Has the ability to stagger, and it also has a special rule called throttle. After the deal damage step, give the target one move token, and they cannot be driven back by this attack. Then you can remove one of this fighter's blood tithe counters. If you do, you can deal one damage to the target. So we'll talk about the difference between those two attacks in a bit. If you manage to get him inspired, he goes to a movement of four, and he gains an extra wound, so now he's at six wounds. His question grip ability is um, range one, three fury, three damage, and his choking grip goes to three smash, still does one damage, but throttle, throttle, stagger, and now ensnare. So um, lots of options with the Gore Hulk. What do you think, Zach? Um, solid. I mean, obviously anything that gets six wounds is great. Uh, again, you don't know if you're going to inspire. It's hard to inspire, so we'll see if that comes to be. But five wounds is still really good. He does have three damage off the crack. It is only two fury, but I'm assuming the desired, you know, the desired steps of player like Herrick's goes in, does some damage, hits somebody with a stagger weapon. That enemy is staggered. They've taken two damage. Now the gore health goes in and you've got two fury, but now you get to reroll one of them from stagger. Um, or maybe you're using uh, Enrage from Drum to make him charge, so he's getting plus one dice. 
and you're getting that three damage spike. Uh, so crushing grip is good. Um, it needs setup, but it is good when it goes off. Or you can, you know, it is still at the end of the day a, a, a Grimwatch uh, Griswell attack. And Griswell, you would just literally YOLO down the field a lot of the times so with two fury and see what happens. Um, and then choking grip is just like it's kind of hard to um, it's kind of hard to like estimate the power of this. Because giving the target a move token is really good. It is only two smash, one ha- one damage. That's not great. But giving your opponent move tokens, great. You can lock somebody down for a follow-up attack from Drom or Herex. Uh, and then burning your first early blood tithe to deal damage is also good. Um, you will have dealt damage, so you'll get that blood tithe back uh, from the way blood tithe works. So it's like it's really just if you already have a blood tithe on your card and you're not trying to stack anymore, you just deal damage and extra damage. And that's solid. Um, he's a good fighter all around. He's the one that wants to be inspired most. He gets the most out of inspiration. Um, yeah, I think early on you're going to use him more as utility and use his throttle, give out a move token just to, um, to lock people down and then kind of follow up with your other guys. But I'll be interested to see how people use this card. Uh, what do you think, Iman? Yeah, I mean, definitely good analysis. And, and I agree with most things. I mean, honestly, because the Inspire, I think, can be a challenge. <clears throat> like, if you give him a great strength, right? Choking Grip becomes a very decent attack. Two smash, two damage. Spend a Blood Tithe. You can still do three damage in the first round, potentially. Right. Um, obviously, you know, cards like Ferocious Bite and stuff also significantly improve his accuracy overall mm-hmm. um, with Crush and Grip. So um, I like the idea of Throttle. I know, like, I've seen some conjecture online as well saying, like, why would I ever use Choking Grip? Um, I mean, if you can, you know, manage multiple actions with the Gorehulk, then you can get that damage on with and get him staggered. So that you can get that reroll with your Fury attack in the next activation to make your three damage attack more lo- reliable. Hmm. So there's definitely some setup. It's almost like an extended combo play over two rounds. But again, the idea is that you've got options, and I like that um, because sometimes you might just need to deal one damage to finish a fighter off. Right. You know. Yeah. And I would rather go with two Smash over two Fury. Mm-hmm. Um, so I overall think the choking grip is certainly a utility piece. It's not like obviously strong, but I think it can be strong in niche situations. But overall, I think Gorehawk is Gorehulk is a very strong and scary fighter. Um, he's definitely got the Grisowell effect. So it's definitely going to piss a lot of people off when he happens to crit on two fury, which happens. It happens quite a bit. Um, just play against Grisowell and you'll know. But otherwise, um, I think he's going to be a control piece in a way because people are going to avoid him and, and set up accordingly to try to predict where he goes and put his other fighters, their fighters on the other side of him. Um, you know, maybe on the other side of the board to avoid him. And I find that to be quite interesting because he does so much to your opponent's mental game before the game even begins, which is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. 
Yeah, he he almost feels more like a combo piece than like, you know, he looks like he should be kind of your big brawly go do his own thing fighter. But you almost want him to do, like you said, extended combos or work with uh, other fighters in the war band to get best use out of him. So, yeah. Yeah. But again, like if you Voltron him, he'll give him ferocious bite and he's 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 stupid good, you know? Yeah. And he's a brawler, so he can take um, the minus one dice plus one defense card, whatever that one's called that I can't remember. Um, or no, it's not. Uh, which one's a really good brawler one that I'm blanking on? It's right the now? one that everyone who plays Sepsimus uses. Sepsimus is on the card art. Yeah, yeah, um, that one. Yeah, it's good. We know we know what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. just the name escapes us, but yeah, um, maybe. Um, yeah, maybe I'll look it up while you're reading the the next card. But overall, thoughts on fighters? Um, I I think they're going to be okay. Um, if we're just going off fighters, like, again, let's not worry about cards right now. You have some utility. You have some setup. You have some combos with each other. You do have two fighters with range two. You have reasonable damage. Everybody's two or better. Um I think they're going to struggle to kill right off the bat. They're not like super bursty, but I think they're pretty consistent and they're pretty durable. I mean, anyone who's played Morgox knows that one shield, five wounds is it's a lot like it's, it's not so much that it's unable to be overcome, but it is, it can be really, really frustrating to deal with. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, they're, they're durable. They got relatively good damage. They've got utility. They have combo pieces. Like it's good. There's nothing in here that jumps out of me. Like, wow, this warband's going to like, you know, this fighter's going to shape the game or that fighter is going to like completely destroy this meta, uh, faction or whatever. Um, but I think they're good. I think they're solid fighters. Yeah, I agree. And, and again, like, you know, they're not overtly complicated. Like ultimately you can draw a card and then charge three times. If you know, if you're in range, which is pretty exciting Mm -hmm. and they can just roll. Well, if you roll well, you can probably win games, but I think if you are able to apply some strategy and nuance to them, I think they can have the ability to reward you quite well. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of the fighters, um, especially because two of them are fairly accurate and one of them hits like a truck and the cards that we were discussing earlier live for the fight. So you just get plus one dice um, in the next activation, which right. is pretty cool. If you're a brawler, you get plus one dice for each attack action. Maybe it doesn't really matter because he doesn't like have a scything. But to unfaze is pretty cool too because it's plus one defense while two or more enemy fighters are adjacent to him. Um, and plus one defense while one or more enemy fighters are adjacent to this fighter instead of this is a brawler. So. Yeah, I mean, you can throw unfazed on him. Two block five wounds, potentially two block six wounds is just, it's excellent. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Alrighty, well, um, I guess it's your turn to read some objectives. Yep, we'll go through the objectives just starting from the top. So our first one is a brutal reckoning. Surge, duel. A friendly, uh, score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action. If that friendly fighter had one or more blood tithe counters and or one or more wound counters, uh, one glory. Yeah, this is cool because like you start the game with a blood tithe counter. So you just got to get a kill. 
mm-hmm. in the, the first or second round of the game. Cool thing is, if it's the second or third round, your fighters probably have wounds on them. So again, it's just get a kill. And you probably haven't spent your blood tithe counters unless you're doing some cheeky stuff with the leader. Um, so, I mean, I think it's overall a good card if you like surges that require kills. Mm-hmm. That being said, I think this warband does. A, because it's corn, but B, they have the range and the damage output to be able to do so. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly good uh, analysis. I mean, it's a warband that wants to kill stuff. We'll see a, a number, well, not to spoil it, but we will see a number of killing uh, objectives as well, just like every other corn warband. Uh, it's on brand, man. It's on brand. Uh, next, we've got a potent offering. Um, this is another surge duel. Score this immediately after an enemy fighter is taken out of action. If a go- domain gambit is persisting, uh, one glory again. Yeah. So again, kill something. But I mean, like there, there are a couple of good domains out there. I mean, Drifting Tides is pretty popular. So you might just slam that early if you get this in your hand. Um, if you know you're about to, you know, make a really nice charge or a couple of decent attacks. Um, the faction has a lot of domain support itself. Um, not a lot, but enough to where this is certainly doable um, in a Rivals or Rival Plus scenario. And so while I don't like it as much as the first card that we covered, it's certainly something that you can definitely build a deck around um, and, and maybe score two surge, you know, off one kill if you time it right. Yeah. It's also worth noting that is, this is an enemy fighters taken out of action. So it doesn't have to be an attack. There are some pink cards in here. There are some universal pink cards you can push into lethals. Um, so it's a little bit more flexible in that way. But like you said, domains hit or miss right now. Yeah. It's a good clarification, though. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got a worthy offering. Score this in an end phase. If your warband has two or more blood tithe counters, one glory. Yeah. So again, I think this is pretty solid. I mean, it's a almost an auto score in round one because your warband will have three blood tithe counters. If someone dies, it's okay. Um, but again, like if you take damage or you deal damage. You know, you can get Blood Tithe counters. So there is an option for you in the later stages of the game to all but guarantee this because hopefully by that point, unless your dice have been miserable, your fighter is alive and has dealt or received damage, which is, again, something that is extremely doable. So I kind of like it for its early glory reliance, and it's certainly doable in the later rounds of the game. Yep, I agree. Um, as far as one glory end phases go, this one's fairly reliable. Uh, next, we have Blood Claim. Score this in an end phase. If one or more friendly fighters each hold an objective within one hex of no one's territory, one glory. Yeah. So, again, I think this is certainly doable. Um, it doesn't interest me as much as the previous card because... Like whenever people have faction cards that specif- specify like a certain part of the map, it's very easy to be counterable or countered rather. And so if you stick an objective in no one's territory um, or right next to no one's territory, then your opponent's going to know that they can deny you one glory by denying you this objective. And while one glory may not be a lot, it is pretty... Um, I mean, it's I mean a, it just 
It's a whole objective card that they're denying you. It's not really yeah. just the one glory. Now you've got to cycle a card and that's one of your yeah. 12. Yeah, exactly. So it's again, doable, but it doesn't excite me. No, I think like we said about the last one being reliable, like we've talked about before, one glories have to be really reliable and I don't think this is. Uh, next we've got consecrated in blood dual score this in an end phase. If no enemy fighters hold objectives and one or more friendly fighters, each hold an objective within one hex of no one's territory to glory. So again, like this is, this is just the previous card, but it's only one of its conditions and now two glory is tempting. I'm sorry, but like people live on feature tokens. So yeah. You know, people counter Wasteland, people counter Consecrated in Blood, um, and the warbands that you're going to have trouble, like, scoring into when they're very popular in the meta right now, like the hold objectives, so. Yeah. Uh, I think this is not a good card. Yeah, totally agree. It might be later on if everything goes hyper aggro, but, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, in looking at Nova, like, a lot of people went very aggressive, mm-hmm. but... It's like you can't you, you don't know what you're gonna like jump into. Yeah. Know? That that's a hard meta call, and then if you show up to the event and people are just playing dominant position, yeah, it's not gonna be good. Yeah. Uh next we've got Glorious Battle. Score this in an end phase if four or more fighters each have one or more charge tokens and or one or more blood tithe counters to glory. This is really interesting. So if I read this correctly, you can have a combination of the blood tithe and charge counters. Yeah, that's how I think And or, right? So if your opponent charges or if you make charges, I don't think you can double dip. So you'd have to have a fighter who has a charge token or a blood tithe counter but, I mean, over the course of the game, fighters make charges. So if you have three fighters, each with a blood tithe counter, and your opponent charges one of your fighters, I mean, it's a pretty pretty decent two-glory end-phase score. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not mad at it, uh, and I definitely think, like, your opponent can't not charge you forever. So mm-hmm. I think it's pretty good, actually. Yeah, I don't think it's the first two-glory that you reach for when you're building your deck, but, like... As you're fill, filling out those end phase cards, I think this definitely is worth consideration. Again, you know, it is a little meta dependent. Like, if you're playing into an aggro heavy meta, like I, this is, I think this is better than Consecrated in Blood for against an aggro heavy meta because, like, oh, I'm playing against, um, I don't know, maybe I'm playing against, um, well, dude, even Rippas. like, yeah, yeah, Rippas, Crushes. Yeah, even Cunning Crew to an extent. Or like um, Zandai's Truth Seekers. Like all four of those fighters want to charge. None of them want to stand there and sit on an objective. Like yeah. you're going to get enemies with charge tokens. Yeah, well, even at Nova, like every 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 round I played, I was getting charged by something, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, so I think it's I think it's got potential. Yeah, I like it. Uh, next, we've got Grim Satisfaction. Score this in an end phase. If four or more fighters each have one or more wound counters or one or more friendly fighters is in no one's territory and have a total of eight blood tithe counters and or wound counters, three glory. 
yeah, the three glory makes attempting, but look, both um, both requirements are very difficult. I mean, Magor's fiends have a card that says every fighter has a wound counter. Four or more is effectively every fighter because like, that's just a very tall order. No one plays that card. I mean, if Shardgale was in the game, this is a great card. But Shardgale is not in the game. And one or more friendly fighters in no one's territory each have a total of eight blood tithe counters. We've already talked about how we're not even sure you can inspire these guys reliably every game. You're not going to have eight blood tithe counters. Yeah, I, I think that's a good analysis. I mean, I'm trying to rack my brain and remember if there are multi-fighter ping cards, like, you know, every fighter on an objective takes a damage or something like that. Um, I mean, there are domain cards that you can try to finagle, but like... Yeah, but I think the only one that does damage is it, like, does damage to add checkses. Um, Hmm. That's either a domain or a waypoint from last season. Um, Oh, yeah, waypoints. (laughs) Which were just domains. Um, Exactly, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's very, very hard to set up. Yeah. And if you're at a point where you have eight Blood Tithe counters, you've probably already won the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wonder if there's something to for uh, eight wound counters. Like, if you have three fighters in the middle of the board and each of your three guys has two or three wounds on them, but, like, it's weird. It for Like you said, three glory makes it tempting, but, like... Yeah, actually doing it is not so easy. Yeah, the, it's if it was just like didn't have the stipulation to be middle of the board. Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe. But I I think if your opponent sees this one time, they're going to make sure your fighter is dead before they move on to the next one. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next, we've got hack and slash. Score this in an end phase if two or more successful attack actions were made during your activations in the previous phase. One glory. Yeah, I'm not mad at it. Like, I think there's certainly ways you can play for this, um, especially in the second round. I mean, first round, if you can get two or three charges, I mean, expecting both to hit might be a bit audacious, but... It, it's it's great for rivals rivals plus. I don't know if I'm going to take it in a championship deck, but it's it could be really good late in the game with upgrades and stuff. Yeah, my my thing is that um, again, you're trying not to put as many one glory end phase cards in here, and they have to be reliable. So basically, every one glory end phase to me has to compete with a worthy offering, which is the end phase have two or more blood tithe counters, and this doesn't compete with that two successful hits is already going to give you blood tithe, two blood tithe anyway and you're probably going to have blood tithe so like it's a, a, a worthy sacrifice is already just already better than this mm-hmm. so uh next we've got a puissant strike uh puissant i think uh this puissant. is puissant this is a surge duel score this immediately after a friendly fighter's attack action takes an enemy fighter out of action if the damage dealt by that attack action was exactly enough to take the enemy fighter out of action, one glory. Yeah, I think this is a pretty good card. Um, we've seen this card over the history of Underworlds. Mm-hmm. And whenever it's popped up, it's it been has popular. been a very reliable, popular score. Mm-hmm. I certainly think you can take it, especially because you have the opportunity to deal two, three, and one damage. So, pretty cool. Yep. Yep. 
absolutely agree with everything you said there. Um, next, we've got the Blood Gods do. Score this in an end phase if three or more fighters each have one or more wound counters and or one or more uh, blood tithe counters, one glory. Well, this again, like this is this is pretty interesting because this is effectively like almost the same as the the card we discussed earlier, which is a worthy offering, mm-hmm. right? But if you happen to get this early in the game, great, you've got three blood tithe counters. You're chilling. Yeah. Um, if you happen to be in the late game, hopefully things have taken damage, and uh, I don't know. I like it. I mean. It's fighters, so your opponent can take a wound. There's ping damage in the deck. There's ping damage you can take. I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly doable. I think taking both might be a little risky. I think if you're going to take... You know, because ideally you take four two glory cards at minimum mm-hmm. and then two one glory end face cards. And I think you can find a better alternative to the Blood Gods to you, but still take a worthy offering. Yeah, I think they're very, very close. Um, you probably wouldn't be too messed if you took both of them, but you're right. I think there's probably is a better universal. Um, and then like the down, like the downside is, oh, what if you kill your enemies and they don't have wound counters because they're dead? It's like, well, then you're just winning. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> so who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the blood tithe counters is probably the most reliable way to do it. But yeah. I mean, it might as well say and or all three of your fighters are alive because then you're rarely going to get to an end phase step where a fighter doesn't have at least one blood tithe counter. Yeah, the only risk with that is Herax has four wounds. True, yeah. So he can die earlier. Can die. Uh, n- next, we have Untouchable Fury. Surge, duel, scores immediately after a friendly fighter is dealt damage by an enemy fighter's attack action. If that friendly fighter is not taken out of action by that damage. One glory. Great card. Works really well in all the warbands that use it. Crimson Court. Did you restrict this in Crimson Court? Yeah, they restricted this in Crimson Court. (laughs) There you go. And you have more wounds than most of Crimson Court. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty good. Yeah, GG well played. Uh, I honestly, this is also going to be like a big deterrent because very few factions are going to be able to one shot your five wound fighters, and you just put um the Gore Hulk out in front, and it's like, all right, well, you can hit him, and then I'm going to score something, and I'm going to punch you back. So mm-hmm. no maybe deal. give him ferocious bite or great strength or whatever. Yeah, off the glory you get from this for sure. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we have worship in battle. Dual end phase, score this in an end phase if two or more surviving friendly fighters each have one or more blood tithe counters, and those fighters are within one hex of no one's territory to glory. So this one's really interesting because I think this is a really good way to get a really good end end phase score in round one. But even around round two... I think you're going to have to take a lot of push cards to ensure it works out. And I think your opponent will be wise to your plan over time as they get familiar with this warband and try to make sure you're out of range one. But mm-hmm. this card is effectively says to glory, your fighters are within one hex of no one's territory, like two fighters. 
Yeah. Because they're going to have blood dive counters. Unless you do like a turn one pull in with Drom. So I actually really like this card. And I think it can work really well. And I think it can be pretty reliable. Yeah, I do as well. Um, I think that it, it's almost a passive score in round one because you don't have to like charge or kill anything. You just walk to the middle of the board even. Um, in the current meta, it feels really strong because with Horrors in the Dark, with Fearless Seekers, with um, uh, some of the other like being near enemies like Unafraid and stuff like that, like there's a lot of brawling in the middle of the board. And it's not in no one's territory. It's within one hex of no one's territory. Like there's a lot of times that people are just fighting over that one hex over over the line or like two hexes over the line. It's very easy to set up middle of the board type positioning. Um, Especially if you can place an objective or two along the center line, um, which you might be able to do. So and force people to come to you to stand on them. So, yeah, it's it seems like this might actually be their best objective, in my opinion. It certainly can be, and I really like it, and I'm going to try it. Um, well, that is the end of the objectives. Aman, which one jumps out at you? Which one do you like the most? I mean, I think the best one is Untouchable Fury. Yeah, I mean, I, I just we just talked about it, yeah. Um, take a damage, get a glory. I like it. Uh, I think I'm going to go for a puissant strike, a puissant strike, uh, as mine. I mean, like we said, we've seen perfect strike printed and reprinted and it's always good. You don't, you know, you're trying to kill things. This is just a win more card. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And, uh, every faction that has, it takes it. So I like it. Yeah. I, I, Honestly, I'm I'm for a one thing I like about these new warbands in this new season is that there's a lot of cards that you can fit into the objective deck. Mm-hmm. A worthy offering, puissant strike, and um, untouchable fury. Un- untouchable fury is just great. And worshipped in battle, also exactly. Really good. Yeah. yeah, four four cards is pretty solid for an objective deck. I mean, yeah, I mean, we're- you know, m- metas are warped by the universal pool. But the fact that you can pad that with a third, a third of the deck being faction is pretty sick. Yeah. And just it, it makes them rotation proof in a lot of ways. You know, I'm surprised how many good objectives there are in here. Like we saw Exile Dead. I mean, we've, we've had talks in the past about whether we think they're top tier, best warband or whatever, but we all agree they're good and they're good and they have like two good objectives most of their objectives are absolutely bad um and these guys are good fighters and they have good objectives which is already a, a nice start uh, when evaluating the warband yeah uh but we can jump into ploys from here so you want to read these off yeah i will and um speaking of crimson court i like the artwork on this one Anias is having a hard time here um <laughs> So this is a card called Blood Boil. It's a prayer. Um, it's restricted to Drom. He's a priest. He makes prayers. It makes sense. He's not a wizard. Choose a fighter within two hexes of a friendly Drom. Deal one damage to the chosen fighter. It's ping. Pings are great. 
uh, dramas five wounds and you're going to be doing everything you can to keep him alive. Um, I will talk more about prayers when we finish the, uh, the whole gambit section. Um, but I think this is a really solid one to start with. You would be pink. We, we all know how good pink cards are. You don't have to go into detail about it. Yeah. I mean, I, I would just like to say that the drum can charge or doesn't matter. Just make an attack, deal two damage, finish them off with a little boil. It's yes, solid. absolutely. You know, cause he's good. If you have to be within two, if you made the attack, he'll be within two. Yeah. Range two weapon. Yeah. The next card is called blood curdling roar. This is a reaction. Use this before you would remove one or more blood tithe counters from a friendly fighter with zero or more blood tithe counters. When you do, you are considered to remove one additional blood tithe counter. Cool. Uh, well, we're going to see some more ploys that ask you, uh, you can, or you should remove blood tithe or you need to remove blood tithe counters. Um, if you just base this off of um, the fighter cards, I guess it allows you to do choke hold or choking strike um, with zero blood tithe counters to do that extra damage. Uh, it allows you to get range two on Herrix with no blood tithe counters on. Um, it's kind of nice just in that it allows you to have a little bit more flexibility, but um I guess it, for me, it depends on how many of the other ploys you're running that require you to remove blood tithe. Yeah. I mean, competition is always stiff mm-hmm. for the Gambit deck, especially if you're going to stop at 10. Um, I like the idea of this making Enrage more of... More playable oh, in later game turns. Exactly. More reliable. Because if you have bad dice or no one attacks your leader and you end up with two, this puts you to that three, right? Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is that you can't just play this if you have one blood tithe counter and then hope to save that blood tithe counter. Because you're considered to play an additional one, which I like the balance there as well. So, Yeah. It's it's good. It's thematic. I don't know if it's going to make the cut, but I like it. Yeah. The next one is Brazen-Edged Fury. Choose one friendly fighter and pick one of the following effects. The first attack action made by the chosen fighter and the next activation is Cleave. Or re-roll one attack dice and the attack roll for the first attack action made by the chosen fighter in the next activation. When you play this card, you can remove one of the chosen fighter's blood tithe counters. If you do, gain both effects. Um, it's fine. I I I don't think you're going to remove blood tithe a lot from this unless it's like end of the game and you really want to, you know, get that important kill off in round 3 so you're like, "Oh, I want to reroll and cleave to get through your two block whatever fighter." Um or like two dice on guard or whatever. Um If you're just taking one effect, a reroll is effectively plus one dice, so is this better than just taking determined effort? Kind of a little bit sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it depends. Like I like rerolls, mm-hmm. but you have to kind of prepay for it. And sometimes you won't need the reroll. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So- effectively. I think Jonathan did the math one time and it's like 
effectively just another dice. Yeah. So it's, I think it's good. I think it's fine. Uh, you're not going to be pained to have it in your deck, but it's not going to wow you most of the time. Yeah, exactly. Agreed. Um, next card, Call of Blood, Prayer, Restricted to Drum. Choose up to two fighters. Push each chosen fighter one hex towards the nearest fighter from an enemy warband. If a chosen fighter has one or more blood type counters, you can remove one of the fighter's blood type counters if you do push the chosen fighter up to two hexes towards the nearest fighter from an enemy warband instead. It's cool. Um, I think this card is really nice. Again, it's a prayer restricted to drum. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, uh, push two. So this is either... I mean, this can be double distraction. This can, It doesn't have a range restriction. Um it does have a direction dis- restriction, but that's fine. This can be double distraction. This can be double sidestep. Uh, this can be a distraction and a sidestep. And all of those combinations sound amazing to me. The only downside is that your leader can't be dead, um, which is fine. I mean, that's there's a lot of cards we play with that already have that restriction. So, yeah, I think this is a good card. I think this is a good card, too. Keep in mind that the double push only happens if, if the fighter has a blood tithe counter. And so you're the enemy will never have a blood type counter. No, no, no. It's it's two. It's always two pushes. When Correct. I when I say but it's double, not, it's not a oh. When you say double distraction, you're meaning just picking two enemy fighters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got you. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So then you're right. Yes. Yeah. Picking two uh, enemies that are sitting on features in their back line that you can't necessarily reach, and just being like, "Sweet, you're yeah. both off the feature tokens." That's that's yes. potentially yes. devastating. I misunderstood what you were saying, but yes, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And this is a great card. It's a great card. The next one is Domain of Blood. In case you were wondering, it's a domain. (laughs) It's also a prayer and restricted to drop. Fighters cannot be healed or driven back. This effect persists until the end of the next activation or until another domain gamut is played. When you play this card, you can remove one blood tithe counter from a friendly drop. If you do, this effect persists until the end of the round. Or until another domain gamut is played. Um, it's an interesting tech card. Uh, we're we're going to talk about one in a bit called Overhead Smash that this kind of has some uh, synergy with uh, in the whole cannot be driven back thing. Cannot be healed is kind of cool because we have talked about instinctive shield uh, being a very strong card for destruction, which is a card that mm-hmm. heals you when you would take damage. Uh, there are other cards that would heal you when you would take damage or, you know, they're, we've restricted like healing potion and stuff, but maybe that'll come off the restricted list or maybe you take it as a restricted card. Um, turning off healing is interesting. I don't know if it's worth a card slot and I especially don't know if it's worth a card slot and a blood tithe burn. Um, but regardless, uh, it's kind of a cool card. How do you feel about it? I don't like how it's a, Till the end of the next activation. Yeah. So the the benefit with domain cards is that they've been a little weaker than general, unless, except for Drifting Tides. It's the exception. But the, and then again, the exception is not the rule. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea is that the effect hopefully um, gains the momentum yeah. over the, co- of the course of that particular round, you know, a third of the game. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you can consider taking the card in your power deck. Over here, like, cool, I, I can't heal or drive back until the next activation, but then I can do it after that. 
Yeah, I, I get the I get the tech card piece. I get the timing and everything, but it just sounds like a lot of stars have to align for this to be worth it. And for a card called Domain of Blood, I certainly think that it's not bloody enough. Yeah, I mean, burning a blood tithe to make it work like a regular domain. Well, let's talk about the next two cards. I don't think you're ever going to do it for Domain of Blood. You might do it for yeah. one of the other domain cards. Agreed. So the next one is called Domain of Fury. Domain Prayer. When a fighter begins a move action, that move action cannot end further from the closest enemy fighter. This effect persists until the end of the next activation or until another domain gamut is played. When you play this card, you can play or you can, you know, remove one blood tithe counter and then it exists until the end of the round or until another domain gamut is played. Yeah. Um, I think this is slightly better. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not amazing, but I think there there's more tech to it, especially if you get it in um, round three. I think this is a very strong round three card because there's a lot of factions that just want to run away from you or they want to reposition. You know, it's a range three fighter that wants to charge onto an objective and shoot you. But now they're like, I'm adjacent to you. I play Domain of Fury. You can't get away from me. You can only sit there and shoot me and then I'm going to punch you next round. Like limiting, we've seen limiting movement be very strong in the past. But again, it's only one round, and then they can play around it and stuff. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's fine. Yeah. I mean, the worst part is about these cards is if you pay a Blood Tithe counter, if they play another domain, you still lose out, which yeah. is a little unfortunate. Um, and Drifting Tides is very prevalent. So mm-hmm. for that reason alone, I think these cards are limited in, it, in their um, ability and their efficiency. That being said, um, I do like the idea of this being a cool tech card. This is forcing combat. I think there are going to be situations where it's really good and some situations or games even when you're like, why do I have this card in my deck? Um, Consistency is something that this card lacks though for me. And so that's why I don't rate it very high. I like consistent cards. Domain of Fury and Domain of Blood are not consistent. Yeah, I I agree with that sentiment. Then we'll move on to the next domain, which is Domain of Wrath. This is the Third domain that Drom is restricted to and is a prayer. When activated, fighters must make a charge action if they can. This effect persists until the end of the next activation or until another domain gamut is played. You can spend the blood tithe counter if you do it last until the end of the round. Um, this is the best one. <laughs> yeah, I still don't think it's like amazing. Like you said, you can just cancel out by playing another domain. Like the idea where you go, okay, you're playing a hold objective warband, psych, now you're a combat warband. Like, that's really cool. Like, you've got to be charging me. Um, and if you're nowhere near a feature token, they can't charge onto it. Or you're on the feature token, they can't, like, do tricky stuff because they've got to charge at you. Like, that's fine. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool. It, it's a tech card. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like, okay, you're, you didn't finish off an opponent. They might run away. Nope, now you can't. Or last activation of the game, and you know that they're just going to jump on objective. Nope, now you can't. So it's certainly very useful. I mean, there are a lot of situations where this can come up, and it can absolutely win you the round, if not the game. Mm -hmm. So I like it. I still don't know if it's worth putting it in my Gambit deck, because... like. 
I think now the meta is a little bit more aggressive. But I think this can be a great tech card. But then, like, why wouldn't you just take Hypnotic Buzz or Center of Attention? Hell, th- even Counter Charge, you know? I, like, I think it's still fine into aggressive warbands, though. Like, think of this, in, especially into elite objective warbands, because, like, imagine this into Moloch, right? Like, he charges twice. Not in round one, not before he inspires. You get this in round one, you play it round one, you go, okay, Moloch does nothing this round. Or at least one activation, you stall him. Well, I, the- I would burn. I would burn the um, the blood tithe. Personally, I'd just be like, "Oh yeah, that's fair." You just be like, "Okay, Mala gets one activation this round." Make it count. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, if Mala becomes more prevalent and more popular um, following Gerard's win, then sure. Yeah, I don't see it though. I mean, it, it's also I think good if gets or um exiled dead remain very popular because those factions want to be like do positioning things and move around and do actions and stuff like as any faction that really wants to do an action like this is devastating against exiled dead because oh you know if you play this again a little bit like um the enrage action on drum if you play this before dentalos has a move token on him he has to make a move. Act. He has to make a charge action. He can't do dance dynamic. That's really scary. Um, if you do this into like uh, Elthane's soul raid, a lot of them are have a range three attack action. Like you can't activate Elthane because he has a range seven threat range. So if you want sur- to uh, score your make two move action surge, he's you can't just move twice in the backfield anymore. He's got to make a charge as his action. Like I think there's more tech to this than people might imagine so um i'm gonna rate it pretty highly personally yeah i mean again like i don't disagree with anything you're saying yeah Um, i certainly think that as i mentioned like if you play this at the right time it can win you a game if Mm. not the round at least um it just it remains to be seen on whether or not the utility is needed yeah that's fair meta meta pick on that yeah but again i don't disagree Okay, finally a card that's not restricted to Drum. Overhead Smash, restricted to Gorhulk. Play this only in a power step following your activation. You cannot play this in your last power step of the round. Choose a fighter adjacent to a friendly Gorhulk. At the start of your next activation, deal two damage to the chosen fighter if they are adjacent to a friendly Gorhulk. When this card deals damage, you can remove one blood, blood tithe counter. From a friendly Gorhulk, if you do, it deals three damage to the chosen fighter instead. It's kind of like an out-of-action or out-of-sequence attack. Kind of. Sort of. A little bit. Spread out over two turns. Um, It's hard to pull off. But when you do, like, two damage that doesn't require dice rolls, a lot of damage. Like, just ask anybody who uses a deadly curse or dying curse, which is effectively a two damage uh dying attack um yeah like here's a here's a reason you might use um choking strike with throttle um here's a reason you might use the can't move away or the can't be knocked back domain if you can just set it up where this dude runs in he hits you with a choking smash he burns his blood tithe to make it uh two damage 
And then he just stands there and overhead smashes. He's just got his hands above his head. And then it's like, all right, you have one activation to get away. Oh, wait, I played a domain. You can't get away. And then you just punch him in the face immediately afterwards. Like, it feels kind of nice, honestly. Yeah, I mean, the synergy is there. And, and I like the example you gave. A couple examples. I think those certainly make sense. I, I don't even think you need to do all that, to be honest. Like, look, a lot of times fighters will Voltron their defensive stats. Mm-hmm. And you just can't hit them. And your attacks won't go through. But if they've charged or they fail to kill you or you have in more push, if you outpush your opponent, you can just guarantee three damage on any fighter. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. I mean, like, oftentimes Snurk ends up near you. And again, like, you're telegraphing this, right? You're letting your opponent know that you have one turn to stop this. Otherwise, you take two to three damage. Again, I think if you have a hypnotic buzz or a center of attention, which I think you should with these guys, with any warband really, it makes it significantly more reliable. And so while I think this card can be a trap card in that you think it's good, but it's really not, I also think it could be a counter, like a trap trap card where it's (laughs) like you think it's bad, but it's not bad. Yeah, it's very easy to think of all the ways that this can get messed up for you. But yeah, you're right. A lot of times you can just be like, you can actually just be like, oh, you've got a move token. I'm just going to stand here and do this. And they will be absolutely unable to stop you from doing it. Yeah. And worst case scenario, they burn a push. Fine. You don't auto take three damage. But now maybe you can't get back on that objective. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can't push my other fighter out of range. You know, there's just... It's so many layers to it, which I think the threat and the idea of the card is more powerful than the effect itself. Yeah, and it also can bait you into getting more blood tithe or, you know, scoring your other cards. Like, if somebody runs up and punt, so say you've got a weakened um, uh, Herex, right? You know, your four wound guy is weakened, but then you move up with Gore Hulk and you power up the overhead smash. Well, now your opponent might run and hit the Gore Hulk instead of hitting Herex. Herex survives. This guy gets hit. He gets a blood tithe. Now you've got a wounded guy. That might even score you a card when they might not have wanted to hit the Gore Hulk because maybe you've got defensive upgrades on him or he had set six wounds because he's inspired or something like that. Like, you know, forcing your opponent to do things is always a good thing. Yeah, I mean, and the cool the cool concept behind this as well, you can say, all right, well, I have... Two activations left. I have three fighters who can potentially move. Mm-hmm. Some or, or like someone charges Gorhulk. You don't have to slap back with Gorhulk. You can maybe activate another fighter and then play this card. And if they don't do anything about it, Gorhulk gets a free attack effectively, right? Yes. So there's 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 a lot of nuance. Again, like I said, there's a lot of layers, and we can peel back that onion. But ultimately, um, I think this card is gonna be real hit or miss. But if it hits, it's gonna slap. Yeah. And it's a good one for it's a good mind game one for a best of three. They see this and they go, "Shit, does he have it? Does he have it? Is he going to set this up? Like, uh, should I keep my push card in my hand just in case?" Yeah, absolutely. It's good. Um, the next card is Skin of Brass. It's a prayer restricted to drum. Yep. Choose one friendly fighter minus one damage to attack actions that target that chosen fighter to a minimum of one. This effect persists until the end of the round or until the chosen fighter is dealt damage. I mean, that's pretty good. That's good. I mean, this is uh, 
effectively the same effect as um, Quintox Bubble. Couldn't think of it for a second. Uh, but minus one damage for a round. Well, Quintox Bubble pops, but um, or lasts between rounds before it pops. But this is only for one round. But you don't have to roll a dice to get it off. It's not a spell you have to cast. Um, minus damage is just always good. Like always yeah, good. Yeah, you have to choose a fighter, and so it's not you know it's not like um. Uh, you know, like Dwarden Resilience or any of those other, like, the first fighter in the next activation, blah, blah, blah type of thing. But still, it's effectively plus one wound for a round. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's great. I like it. I'm not mad at it. It's good for Herax. It's good for the other big boys as well. It's good. Yeah. Last Gambit. We stick to drum again. Call to prayer. Wound the Realm. Choose one fighter within one hex of no one's territory. Deal one damage to the chosen fighter. When you play this card, you can remove all blood tithe counters, at least one, from a friendly drum. If you do, deal one damage to each fighter within one hex of no one's territory instead. Hey, look, it's more ping. It's really good ping, too. I mean, we talked about how a lot of people are fighting in no one's territory. Like, a lot of times when I'm playing just any faction almost i'm putting one objective in no man's territory or just over the line for horrors in the dark i'm putting it right over the line for fearless seekers or for um uh just any number of cards that want you to be in enemy territory there's um starblood stalkers have one that's like hold one in each player's territory so you're like want to put one enemy territory as well anyway um and a lot of times that's just right over the line, right next to one hex away from no man's land. Um, yeah, it's a ping. It's a ping that... I don't even put this. Usually pings are very specific. Lethal Ward, be on an objective. Uh, Swarming Darkness, be in a cover hex, you know, or like uh, there's a couple that are like be on... Oh, not Swarming hex. Darkness, Smoke of... Uh, smoke of shadows or marriage smoke or whatever. Yeah. Well, there's, yeah. there's a universal and then there's one for, um, Shadeborn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, or like occasionally there's like an edge hex one or something like that. This is just like no man's, uh, no man's land and one hex away from no man's land can be like 18 hexes on the board. That's a lot of places your opponent can't stand, you know? That's a lot of places that you can just do damage. Um, yeah, I think this is a really insanely good card. Yeah, I mean, ping damage is good. I like it. I like the ability that it can kind of... I mean, against an exile dead player, this can kind of... It slap. a lot of damage. This can slap. So, yeah. So I, I like the potential. Um, I certainly like the idea behind it. Um, and, and this probably ties into what you were going to talk about, prayers and drum. Mm-hmm. But the way I'm looking at Drom at this point is I'm putting, I'm giving him a shit ton of wounds, mm-hmm. so he doesn't die. Um, he gets a little bit of damage reduction built in through the gambits. It's a prayer he can pray on himself. Um, but like, this ties back to Enrage as well because if you really think about it, Drom is the warband, right? Gorhulk and Herax kind of do some cool things here and there. Yes, but. I think this is another way to curb the potential that Enrage, which I think we can all, maybe the both of us can agree is not going to be like that 
overpowered, super strong ability. Mm-hmm. But in the off chance that it does become that, the trade-off is like, well, if you use it too much and you force people to charge you, likely higher likelihood of drum dying, which means most of your gambits are useless. Yes, there are 10 gambits because it's a rival's deck. Seven of them are restricted to drum. That's a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure seven is Korn's number as well. Yes. That, it uh, is, is it? Uh, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is it? It's eight. Oh, yeah. Seven's, seven's Nurgle. Who's, yeah. And also three for some reason. Um, yeah. But still, seven, seven cards that just die as soon as your leader is dead is just like... You're never taking all of these cards in a championship deck, obviously. But like when you're playing rivals with this deck, you'll have games where Drom dies early on. You're just like, wow, I can't use any of my cards. <laughs> and it's going to feel real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that means that you're going to throw Drom into the back of the board and he's going to be like this, you know, like the Sepulchral Warden where you just hide him like a little coward in the back of the board. You can't really. You have three fighters. It's And he needs to do stuff. Um, but like you said, you're gonna. he's already large. You're going to throw more wounds on him. You're yeah. going to use the prayer on him. You might even run healing. I, I'm considering just like burning restricted slots on healing potion and um, spirit. spirit yeah, absolutely. Just to keep him alive. I mean, yeah, healing is good. And if you want this warband to succeed, you need Drum to stay alive. Yeah. At least at least for two rounds. Yes, absolutely. So, well, that does it for the gambits. Drum's gambits, really. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, Zach, which one's your favorite? Uh, it's actually a hard one because I like the design of every almost every card in here. Um, but just in terms of like sheer power and goodness like strength i think skin of brass is just like the easiest one to say it's the strongest one in the deck yeah i mean i think the only card that rivals it in terms of sheer power is call of blood yeah double distraction double side step i think that objectively i think that might be the strongest um it's close i think those two basically go in every single gore chosen deck that you make yeah yeah i would i would agree um, I want overhead smash, aka the meme card, aka maybe not a meme card to work. Mm-hmm. Question mark. I the thing is, I actually don't think there's any like stinkers in here. Like the domain cards are like kind of hit or miss, but you know we've looked at so many warbands in previews in the past where we're just like, wow, this card sucks, never take it. But like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's a single card in here that I'm like, oh, I could never see myself putting that in a deck. Like. You know, the domain cards, situationally okay. Brazen-edged Fury is like, yeah, I don't hate having it in the deck. It's fine. It's not amazing, but it's fine if I want to put it in there. Like, um, this feels like a really good Rivals deck just because none of these cards are stinkers. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that two of the domain cards can be classified as such. Yeah. I'm not going to call them stinkers, though, but I think they're certainly the two weakest cards. Blood and... Yeah. When when you're Blood weakest... And, uh, Fury. When your weakest cards are like would be mid tier in another, you know, mid to high tier in another faction, you know, you're doing okay. Yeah, I don't know if I would go that far, but I think that's the one time we'll agree to disagree on the the gambits. But that's fair. I think they're pretty good. Uh, But then we've got upgrades uh, as our last section to go through. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, 
So start from the top here. We've got Aura of Wrath. Fighters within two hexes of this fighter cannot be driven back. I, I like the idea of it. Um, this also means uh, enemy fighters and friendly fighters, which is cool. Um, for a warband that wants to brawl and fight, and ideally not charge very much because you have limited fighters and you're going to lose, you know, at least one enough two as the game goes. It can be a semi-control slash an aid in engagement, which is quite fascinating. Um, I don't know if this is going to make my 10 just because like there are some cards that are just blatantly stronger than this, significantly mm. so. But if I'm in an environment where I want to just keep brawling it out and rolling dice or wrath can be a decent pick for me. Hmm. I disagree. I think it's bad. <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's not, you're right. It does allow you to brawl. I mean, Herrix is range one, unless you burn a token. Um, Gore Hulk is always range one. So just, you know, this helps you stay in, especially against other range one war bands. But like, I don't know. Even if it you're just punishes the enemy charge, right? Sure. I just sure. think like they can't if they fail or they tie, because most people will be like, "I just want to tie so I can push you off the objective." Nope. Sorry. It That's works fair. both ways though, because then you can't push off the objective. So you yeah, really got to be smart about it. But I, I don't think it's good. I'm just I'm just trying to come up ways in which I think it can work. Yeah. Yeah. No. That That's fair. That's fair. Um. Next, we've got Bloody Worshipper. At the start of each round, give this fighter one Blood Tithe counter. I like this because there are a lot of options for Drom when spending Blood Tithe counters. Um, this also, if you get this in round one, kind of guarantees an Inspire in round three. You know? Mm-hmm. So it, it, it can certainly work. Um, but I think if it's only going to be taken in decks where you want to spend blood tithe counters. And if so, it's like, it's going on drum. Oh yeah. I mean, it might as well just say that it's there to power prayers. Cause that's really what it's there for. Like prayers or, um, enrage. Well, it's in the name, bloody worshiper. You pray when you worship, right? True. Absolutely. Uh, next we've got crazed rampager plus two move when this fighter makes a charge action. It's pretty solid. Um, yeah. I think Outrun Death could potentially just do its job um, because you're only really going to get one or two charges with this card because round one probably not going to happen unless you get it early and you get the glory. So, Yeah. I'm just reading the flavor text. It's like nothing can stop me and he's jumping. So I'm like, I'm all the way up, you know, like (laughs) that song. But uh, no, no, uh, Mr. Marvel Crisis Protocol, no uh, juggernaut. Uh, comparison here dude this the gore hulk is just hulk like when i first saw this card i actually thought of gamma leap which is like hulk just gamma leaps he just jumps just yeets but look we're we're talking about underworlds here and i will say i love playing mcp but underworlds is my main squeeze the og that's true it's my main squeeze um do you like it crazy rampager i you're right it compares to outrun death but it's outrun death that might go across two turns for that i'd like it a little bit more um you do start on only three move on two of your fighters and as we said inspiring is pretty difficult so i think just any mobility you can get is solid 
think it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It could make the cut, maybe. Yeah. Uh, next, we've got a really interesting one. Final Frenzy. This fighter cannot be taken out of action. Period. This effect does not prevent damage being dealt to the fighter. At the end of the action phase, break this card. When this card is broken, the fighter is taken out of action. I love this card. It's super thematic. I'm not. I'm not saying it's like really good, but it like it's very corny with KH, and I am a big fan. Really, you and, don't. And honest, you don't think it's that good? I think this is amazing. Well, it, it depends, right? Because again, like in the final round of the game, it can be solid. But who are you putting this on? Drom, large fighter. Cor- uh, uh, Gorhulk, large fighter. So oftentimes you play this, and if your fighter is going to die anyway, it's cool. You can just swing away and hopefully take down everyone with you. But ultimately, uh, you're giving up two glory mm-hmm. to maybe win the game, which I guess is fine. Um I think it I think on paper it's a very good card. I think in practice you're I don't think you're gonna find it to be as um as successful as you think it might be. I, I suppose I could be overestimating it, but I think with three fighters, especially because you're aggro and you're short range and you're gonna be going at the enemy, like you're usually gonna have that one fighter that's on like a wound left or two wounds left um at the end of a round. Just like end of round one. You know, maybe somebody ran up with a three damage attack and bopped you or ran up with a two damage attack onto Herex and bopped him with like a spear weapon or phantom fist or something. And this is just like, all right, because it's end of the action phase, I can equip it during the end phase. Next action phase, I'm unkillable, whatever. My Herex is just going to die to stiff breeze anyway. I might as well just YOLO swing him at everything within two hexes. Very cool card. Very cool card. Uh, next, we've got Paragon of Slaughter. Uh, in the declare action step, uh, the declare attack action step of this fighter's range one or range two attack action, you can remove one of these blood this fighter's blood tithe counters. If you do, when that attack action succeeds, pick one, heal this fighter for one, or draw one power card. Mm, I mean, Silent Ring is better for draw. Yeah, um, and it would activate in theory just as many times because this activates when you make an attack action, which is still an activation. Um, that being said, I think maybe you can stack this with Bloody Worshipper, get unlimited, like get a lot—not unlimited, but a lot of Blood Tithe counters. I mean, and every time you deal damage, you get a Blood Tithe counter, anyways. Yeah, so if it's right? a successful so attack, you're getting one. You, you just get it back, yeah, and then you heal or you draw. I mean, it can work. The heal? Silent Ring is better. Yeah, I mean, the flexibility of the heal isn't bad. I mean, um, you can combo this with Mighty Blow for Gore Hulk. Um, or didn't Chaos... No, Destruction got the uh, Scything weapon in um, the mm-hmm. last... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really good with the Scything weapon. That's yeah, it. yeah. It, like, if you throw a Mighty Blow on um, Gore Hulk... Mighty and then Swing. You- Swing, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um, Mighty swing onto Gore Hulk. You have this equipped to him. It's just like cool. I go and I hit three times and I heal three or I draw three cards. It's pretty sick. Yeah, um, it's good. 
and that with um what was that card that's good for brawlers live for the fight yeah uh solid because then yeah well yeah well that's just defense live for the fight would be you get plus one dice for every attack you made so if you make a mighty swing effectively a scything attack true, true, true. so you get ferocious bite you can potentially get plus two dice on every attack heal up your fighter hopefully kill a bunch of people and if your fighter's already healed up then maybe draw all your prayers you know yes absolutely yeah it's a cool card i like this one a lot yeah it's cool uh next we've got powerful hatred this fighter is considered to be a supporting fighter for friendly attack actions made within x hexes where x is the number of blood tithe counters on this fighter card i think it's cool i like the idea of it i think it's very creative oftentimes it's just going to be one hex Mm -hmm. which means that you need to be there anyways it only matters when it's two hexes um, or more, which, again, can still be nice. It can, it can even go higher than that. Actually, um, I'm trying to think how this works because friendly attack actions made within X hexes. Does this mean it? So if I have one blood tithe counter and my X is one, uh, a friendly attack actions made within one hex. Do I only have to be within one hex of the friendly fighter making the attack, or do I have to be within one hex of the enemy targeted by the effect? It's it's so it's friendly. That's a good question. Because fighter is considered to be a supporting fighter for friendly attack actions. No, so yeah, you could be within one hex of the target. The target or the attacker? Because I think it's. Because if it's the because if it's a friendly attack action, I would assume it comes from the attacker, and then it just means even if you only have one blood tithe, it's just saying you still have to be next to them. But it's only next. You can be behind your fighter and not next to the enemy. Sure, instead. sure. So sure. like, there's some. That's probably the way it's designed. Yeah, reads rules as written. They might need some clarification, but rules as intended. I think that's the idea of it. Yeah. So, so even with one, there's some utility. Um, with two or three, like if you've managed to stack up blood tithe, like I don't know how much do you value a support dice though? I mean, with Gorhulk a lot. True, because he's only two dice to on his front side. Uh, yeah, cause that gives me a fifty percent chance on chance on each roll. Mm-hmm. But I won't take powerful hatred for that. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, next we've got retaliate reaction use this during a successful attack action that targets this fighter after the out of action check this fighter makes a range one or range two attack action and then break this card it must target the attacker the attacker cannot be driven back by this attack action solid card mm-hmm. deterrent I like it you can put this on drama as a further deterrent put it on gore hulk you can put this on a fighter that your opponent needs to kill, so you can kind of get the the, kill, the you know the attack before you die. I mean, creepers use this card. Mm-hmm. It's really really good with them. I don't see why it wouldn't be good with a Gore Hulk or a Drum. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just solid. Yeah. Uh, sharpened by rage. In the declare attack action step, you can remove one of this fighter's blood death counters. If you do. Pick one of Cleave, Ensnare, or Knockback 1. This fighter's range 1 and range 2 attack actions have that ability until the attack action is resolved. 
So this is really good because if you think about how good Slythel has been in Shade Stalkers, um, that that ability um, to be able to pick Cleaver and Snare is very very strong. Now this obviously is not as ubiquitous, but the idea is that uh, ubiquitous in terms of how often you can use it. But again, like you combo this with a Bloody Worshipper, it, it works out. But even if you don't. The fact that you're making your attack have cleaver and snare means that you're making it more likely to go through and give you that blood type back. Exactly. So you get that refund and hopefully in theory, you just recycle it mm. like the despoilers do with their tokens. Yeah. I think that's a good, a really, really good comparison to make actually um, because that's what spoilers want to do. They just want to burn it, go kill something, get it back repeat and this does basically the same thing mm-hmm. yeah i like it i mean it's i like it too i think this is uh, i think this is one I, I think i've been a little bit underwhelmed by a lot of these except for tally which is insane um i think this is one that might actually make the cut into uh, a championship deck for sure yeah i mean look i mean bloody worshiper and Final Frenzy are pretty cool too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so Paragon of Slaughter. So, like, they're just not Hexbane upgrades. <laughs> Very few things are. Hexbane went nuts on those upgrades. Yeah. But but they kind of they need it. So yeah, True, true. Uh, next, we have White Hot Anger. Uh, reaction uses after a friendly fighter successful range one or range two attack action. Enemy warbands treat hexes adjacent to this fighter as lethal hexes in addition to other types. This effect persists until the end of the round, restricted to Herrix. I don't like this card because when it says in addition to other types, it also means cover hex. And I don't like that. Why don't you like that? I mean, it just makes it to where enemy fighters can score for being in cover hexes oh well it's end of the round actually so it stops it before the the scoring phase no it's saying it's saying treat them as lethal hexes in addition to other hex types that like other hex types that they are like it doesn't make the ones around you cover hexes it just makes them lethal hexes and if it's already a cover hex then it's cover hex and a lethal hex okay the way i'm reading it is treat hexes adjacent to this fighter as lethal hexes in addition to other hex types. So what you're saying is that the only implication is that regardless of what the hex types were, they also this just gain makes them lethal. lethal. Yes. Oh, that, I mean, okay, sure, fine. So it, it basically gives you the same reaction as um, Thundric. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be real. That doesn't really come up much, the Thundric one. No, it doesn't. And like you want to kill Thundric every game. I guess Herrix will be more forwardly placed than Thundric because Thundric is usually chilling in the back, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but yeah, you're right. It doesn't come up enough. It doesn't come, come up enough to require a, a restricted upgrade slot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, our last upgrade is Wrath Incarnate. This fighter has the following cumulative abilities determined by how many blood tithe counters they have. So if you have one or more blood tithe counter, this fighter cannot be driven back. If you have two or more blood tithe, you get plus one move. And if you have three or more blood tithe, 
you get plus one damage to your range one and range two attack actions. It's a cool idea. I don't think driven back is worth it. I don't think the plus one move is worth it potentially. I mean, for a three fighter or for a three fighter, three, slower moving warband, three I'll three maybe. Yeah, I mean four is pretty solid. Like sometimes, often all you need is plus one. Yeah, but dude, I don't, I don't. Three blood tithe counters for a great strength. I got glory seeker. I got great strength. I have savage strength. I have um, weapons master, and I have feral symbiote. I don't need it. No, you don't. It's good for rivals, but I don't need it in championship. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. It's um, it's a little underwhelming. I mean, I do value the plus one move probably a little bit higher just because I hate move three hex um, just in general. Um, but, you know, you're right. I mean... Usually when you have these stacking cards, the first one is valuable by itself and cannot be driven back. It's just not, it's just not that valuable. I mean, it's, it's somewhat valuable, but it's not like take the whole slot just for this one fighter to not be driven back valuable. The thing is the fighter with the most likely reason to take this is Rom and Rom is range two. Yeah, exactly. The drive back doesn't even matter half the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, but that's it. So which upgrade jumps out to you the most? Mm. I like Sharpen by Rage. Yeah. It's a good it's, one. It's not the best one. It's not the worst one. But it's the one where I'm like, when it works, I think it's pretty pretty solid. Yeah. Like you said, we all know how good Slithail is. Yeah. Uh I'm going to go with Final Frenzy just because, like I said, I think it's super thematic. And I think I think there will be turns where you just get to pop off with it and it's going to feel super good. Mm-hmm. If only it said this fighter cannot get charge tokens either. And then he just becomes an absolute meat house. Then you just, just start killing people. Hilarious. Yeah. Uh, so that brings us to the end. Now we kind of we've got the the whole picture. We've discussed all the cards. What's your feeling on Gore Chosen of Drum? It's a it's a very hard question to answer. Um, but I know you got to ask it. That's what we're here for. Yeah, yeah. So look, I think I think the Warband is better than what you might think it might be. I also think the Warband, if played incorrectly, can be a poor man's Morgox crushes. There's a lot of similarities, I think, um, in terms of how many blood type counters you need, the counter mechanic in general, three-man fighter, damage reduction, healing, you know, being aggressive, etc. They lose some of that passivity that the crushes have, which I think is really helpful. But the bread and butter of this Warband is your leader. Rom. Um, he needs in order for you to win Drom needs to have an above or like an average to a good game or if not better and oftentimes in underworlds fighters can get sniped um, and sometimes dice are going to dice and so you really have to try to figure out how do I keep him safe but as we both mentioned earlier you can't just hide him in the back 
you need to be somewhat aggressive with him, kind of like an Elethane style aggressive, where maybe you're not going to yeet him turn one, but turn two and turn three, he's certainly in the thick of things. The enrage mechanic, I think, is a very interesting one. I think we've gone on and on about how it can potentially be backbreaking and win games in the right perfect scenario. But without Drom, you lose a lot of the Warband's flavor. And look, you can play this Warband with no prayers. You can just take pushes, objective denial, movement, and accuracy. You could probably have a great time playing them aggro. And you mm-hmm. probably do really well with them. So don't think that prayers are a necessity. But I just think that's what gives the Warband flavor. And some of those prayers are really good. And that's why Drom, I think, needs to be protected. Also, starting off with two large fighters, I mean, you're giving up more glory than a four-man warband. You know? Mm-hmm. You're giving up five glory. So you really got to be smart about your engagements. And I think if you're going to inspire one fighter, it, it needs to be Gorhulk. Because you need to get that three fury, three damage online pretty fast. That being said, there are ways to skip around that. So I like the objectives. I like the gambits. I think the upgrades are okay. I don't really think you can ask for much more. I mean, and I might be going on a little bit of a extended. Um, Good man. You know, but but it's really just like all these thoughts are flowing. Is like we got Reavers and we got Fiends. And they played the same. Charge. Kill things. And sure, it was simpler times back then. But like to bring back corn at this stage of the game in year five and for it to be so interesting and, and still aggressive, but also controlly aggressive, I think is, is quite fascinating. And that appeals to me. I I really like corn. I think he's he's a cool aesthetic, it's a cool warband, it's a cool flavor. Um and so for that reason, it's like I am drawn to the warband. And, you know, for a lot of the same reasons why people, you know, like, I'm not saying they're the new Soul Raid. That's not what I'm saying at all. So don't take that that way. But a lot of people dismissed Soul Raid when they first came out. And then those same people started complaining about how good Soul Raid were. Again, I don't know if this is going to happen. It probably will not. But I don't think they're going to be a bad warband. And I think if you put enough time and reps into them, like any warband, but specifically, you know, more nuanced warbands like these, you're going to be successful. And and that's what makes it exciting for me is that I want to fail with them so I can succeed in numerous other ways. Yeah, I mean, I don't think your comparison is too far off. Like, no, they don't play like Soul Raid. They're probably not going to be S tier like Soul Raid is because Soul Raid's got a lot of other things going for them. Um but I think they are similar in some ways. Um, one in that they'll probably be underestimated. I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that are tuning in to hear us dunk on them, call them the worst war bands come out, blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think they're that. I mean, at worst, I'd put them at like some sort of mid tier. Uh, I think they're absolutely fine. I think you could take these guys to a grand clash if you wanted and podium with them. I think they're solid enough to do that. Um, but I think where they compare to, soul raid is that they're aggro but they're like thinking aggro you know this is not a this is not a destruction war band where a lot of the destruction war bands are just abc always be charging and you just charge with three or four actions and you're done 
I don't think you can do that with these guys. Um, sometimes you will, and in some matchups, you're just going to be like charge, 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 or like draw a card, charge, 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 or like you know range to attack, charge, 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 something like that. Um, but a lot of times you're like, okay, I need to think about my drawn positioning. I need to think about my blood tithe usage. I need to think about maybe drawing cards to get the right thing in place at the right time. Um, I need to think about maybe just moving to set up a position that I can play from, um, which is not, you know, that amount of thinking is not very thematic for corn, but I think for players who like aggro, but don't necessarily just like brain dead roll forward aggro. Um, I think these are going to be a nice breath, breath of fresh air. In terms of championship decks as to how to build it, like, yeah, they will have to build aggro. Um, I don't know how heavily you're going to lean on their, like, prayers. Taking a couple is fine. Taking seven is probably not fine. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) You're not going to put all of them in the deck. Um, But we'll see. I think this is going to be a... uh, I think we're going to see a variety of decks built for these guys in the first month or two that they're out. And I think the first event for them is going to have two or three different decks for them that we are not expecting to see. uh, And we'll kind of catch people off guard and might even do really, really well. So, yeah. I mean, look, man, corn cares not where the blood flows. Absolutely. Only that it flows. So if you play them, you lose, you win. You're doing you're doing the Lord's work, you know, mm. and and not and, and and when I say Lord, I don't mean any sort of real life Lord. I'm talking about corn, corn, Captain Murder's Lord. <laughs> he Captain- was so hyped when these were revealed. I can't even tell you. <laughs> he was my roommate at Nova. I, I, I can believe it. Yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty excited. Um, look, I I think we both kind of agree that. There's more than meets to eye here, mm-hmm. um, but there's also some obvious traps and some pitfalls and some built-in weaknesses. I think designed weaknesses, which I think is important, mm-hmm. but certainly a lot of good strength as well. And at the worst case, you got some sick, badass-looking miniatures. Yeah. I, I, in terms of that too, I think they really round out uh, Nether Maze because we've had four really distinct war bands this time around. Like, you know, sometimes. I think maybe during like the uh, Beast Grave Direchasm era, like you could get kind of you could get a little samey between them. Like they can kind of give off the same vibe. Here we've got four really distinct, unique warbands. Um, none of them look the same. None of them play the same. None of them are the same theme. It's really cool to see that GW still dropping these really banger models and uh, and factions for us. So. I'm looking forward to getting mine and painting them up. So, uh, yeah, hopefully everyone else is as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll disagree with you on Darkasm. I definitely think Darkasm had some great uniqueness. There were some Beastgrave. Yeah, Beastgrave, Shadespire, Nightbolt were lots of samesies. Yeah, Um, that's fair. But uh, I, I I think I really liked... I have been happy with every single Warband since Darkasm's release. Except for one. And I think that speaks volumes to how hard, you know, Dave, John, and the rest of the Underworlds team have worked to uh, to create such great rules. 
Yeah. And, and absolutely. Thank you. Thanks to that team for giving us a great game. I mean, Underworlds is in a really fun place right now. So yeah. Yeah. Happy that. Yeah, I mean, I just had a blast at Nova. 63% of the field chose destruction, AKA chose violence, <laughs> but uh, we'll talk about that in the, in the next episode. Um, if you are tuning into this on review day, there's going to be another episode, two more episodes with reviews, um, the universal cards that come with the Gore Chosen, as well as the Deadly Depths Rivals deck. So lots of content for you to tune into. I'm pretty excited, and I think we're both excited yeah. to see how this Warband does. Yeah, for sure. I'd like to see the variety. Absolutely. Well, look, I think that's going to do it for this episode today. So everyone... Thanks for tuning in. If you're a Patreon supporter, um, be sure to check out our Discord where Zach and I will be talking a lot about this Warband and probably sharing some of our decks that we come up with um, just to foster some great discussion. Um, And again, if you are a Patreon supporter, thank you. If you'd like to join our current patrons, you can do so at patreon.com slash pathoglory. You can find all of our blog content there as well on pathoglorypodcast.com. We're going to have written reviews of the blogs as well. Um, not the blogs, but uh, the cards that we discussed here and all the other episodes in the future. And if you have any feedback, comments, questions, or concerns, let us know at Facebook, Twitter, or Discord at Path Glory Podcast. Please rate and subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And as always, thanks for listening. And we wish you the best of luck on your Path to Glory. <laughs>